Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm your host, Lewis McParlin, and in this week's episode, we'll be reviewing some of the standout results from the past few days' cup fixtures. As always, we'll also be casting our eye forward to some of the matches due to be played this weekend, beginning the 1st of November 2019. Jeez, already November. Today, I'm joined once again by GFFN's favourite and probably only Andre fan, Mr. Thomas Wiseman. Thomas, my question for you this week, and I think I already know the answer, is who is your favourite manager currently managing in Ligue 1? Uh, it's Antoine Compor. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> it's good. It's very good. It's, uh, it's uh, Stefan Moulin, of course. I mean, the man is uh, a living legend. You know, Angers is basically part of the club now. Um, he's been there for, for years and years, and he's just... He's just, he's kind of just down to earth. He just comes out. It looks like sometimes he forgot to shave in the mornings, got a jumper on, <laughs> just sort of wearing jeans, just, you know, coming out in a league on match. Um, and he gave an interview. He just seemed very, very humble in his recent interview. He said, uh, he said something like, um, current football or football, social, um, social life in football is like uh, a, cl- it's like a Kleenex. A clinic, clinic society or something like that. It's really, really, <laughs> it's really interesting. Uh, but he's a he's a very uh, down to earth and uh, humble man who's uh, who uh, doesn't like to uh, aspire too high. He, he likes uh, he likes his home in Angers and uh, he'll stay for many years. Mm. How long has he been there now? When did he join? Uh, eight years. Eight he's been years. first team, well seen coach. He's been actually at the club since two thousand five. I think he was. Um, Thank God. As a in the sec. Coaching the, the B team as well. Who was the manager before Moulin? It was uh, Luis Garcia, uh, who's I think was at Trois recently. Yeah, uh, he moved on still. to yeah, yeah, he he, he moved on to uh, to Lons and then uh, Moulin took over. That's a good answer, by the way. Pulled out in nowhere, Jesus. <laughs> uh, we'll also get to enjoy the company of our newly adopted Parisian, Jake Smales. <laughs> Mr. Smales, who is your favourite manager currently in Ligue 1? I would, in previous years, have probably gone for Leonardo Jardim because of the job he's done uh, uh, at Monaco. But given their, their recent wobbles, I've got to say I'm a big fan of Julien Stéphane at, at Rennes. I know he's been he's been under under the microscope a bit recently, but I really like his demeanour. He's done a great job at Rennes so far. He's clearly very highly rated. He's a classy guy, and you could see with Rennes' result at the weekend just gone with that ninety second minute winner or whatever it was that those players they love him. So mm. that is my answer. Yeah, it was a much needed win for Rennes, and we'll be talking about them just a little bit later in the show. So, we had a couple cup games over the last few days. The Coupe de la Ligue, that soon to be no more Coupe de la Ligue, uh, ending this end of this season, I believe, is the, is the last right. Coupe de la Ligue. Um, so, it'll be interesting to see, to see who's the final victor of the competition. Out of the results that happened over the last few days, a standout one for us was Nantes beating Paris 8-0, because they're usually... Not that good going forward, Jake, but they really just switched on in this match, didn't they, I guess? League de Paris. Yeah, they did. And uh, Paris FC are a team who are renowned for having a, or last season built a reputation for having an amazing defence. And Nantes are a team this season who who don't seem to be scoring many goals at all. But I guess uh, 
you know, things went a bit topsy-turvy for this one. I mean, Parry, Parry FC have been poor recently this season. But, uh, but yeah, for a Christian Gorkuf team to get eight goals, you know, the, the apocalypse must be on its way. <laughs> Another result that stuck out was Le Mans beating Nice 3-2. Now, all five goals in this one came in the first 18 minutes, with the first goal coming in, just the first minute being scored by Le Mans, Vincent Crahan. Nice haven't had the best run of results recently. They, they're they definitely not matching the ambitions that the new owners probably probably thought they would be getting when they came to the club. And this was just another disappointing result for Nice. Thomas, they really have to get a win this weekend, don't they? They can't keep going with these really lacklustre performances. Yeah, I mean, they've been all over the place. Um the last couple of games and it is it is difficult to see them get out of this very quickly I mean they're playing I think it's they're playing uh, I think it's well, on the weekend um, but it, they're yeah. just not performing well I mean Le Mans have been uh, even though the, the, the position in leader is not great um, they've actually been playing some pretty good football um, this season and, and you know <laughs> it's a it's a a strange one to see to see uh well it's a it's a good good cup shock um not for nice but Lamar will uh, try and keep this keep this going and see if we can have a, a mini cup run some of the other results included Angers losing 3-2 in the last minute to Amiens did that just show how crucial Baptiste Santa Maria is to Angers Thomas <laughs> i mean I, i'm 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 glad Amiens won the game um because they, they had <laughs> <laughs> they had so many chances to to win it. Um, Petkovic, our sub, uh, substitute goalkeeper, had a great game, made some point blank uh, saves, and uh, it was just so easy. I mean, without Santa Maria there, there was we played a four four two, and it was just so easy to completely bypass um, the midfield and a huge amount of space in between the lines, and that's where somebody like Santa Maria um, thrives. And it was just so obvious that there was an issue there. So uh, good luck to uh, Amion. And we'll uh, carry on to the weekend. Absolutely. Some other results included Nîmes beating Lens 3-0, uh, Lens 3-0. I saw that Nîmes had a really young squad. I think it was something like nine mm-hmm. players were under the age of 23 or 21. It was it was absurd the, the amount of youth players they played and put in a really competent performance, something that Nîmes haven't been doing so far this season. I think they sit 18th at the moment of recording. Uh, Rams yeah. also won. Toulouse got a win. Brest beat Ligue 1 rivals Mets, so the, the teams that just got promoted from Ligue 2. They beat them on penalties and Montpellier also got a 3-2 win over Nancy in the Cup. And Monaco won as well, 2-1 over Marseille with Jean-Kevin Augustin getting a rare goal since his move from Leipzig. Let's move on to some league in action and cast our eyes forward to this weekend. Monaco in the Cup just beat Marseille 2-1. And they are who I want to talk about first. Marseille host Lille this weekend. Um, And Marseille have been kind of topsy-turvy recently, not really getting on a a good run of form. 
Thomas, what did you make of Andre Villas' Boas's comments recently after their 4-0 defeat to PSG? He was just saying that Paris are, are, are on a whole other stratosphere, a whole other level, and Kevin Strootman, the midfielder, echoed this saying PSG are in a different league. Do you think that Villas Boas has has a point here, or do you think it's a bit of an excuse for a poor performance? What do you think of that, Thomas? Yeah, um, it's, 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 it's kind of part part correct and part an excuse, but I mean, you just make a good point. PSG uh, with that, the team they've got, if you look at the rest of the league compared to, to that PSG squad, there's nobody that even, I mean, Leon will probably come close, but they're still nowhere near it and, and they really are, you know, players like Mbappe, you know, one of the best players in the world. Neymar is he's not even on the pitch and he's one of the best players in the world. You know, Di Maria is in, I mean, He's in sort of form, almost a form of his life uh, at the moment. It is difficult to see um, to see anybody um, causing them issues. I mean, they're running over uh, Club Brugge in the in the in the Champions League, and they are just a com- completely different league um, on occasions in league, and it's it's a shame, really. And uh, the guys covered it really well on the podcast earlier on. Um, or on this week, um, how there's just the it is still obviously a a big rivalry between uh, both clubs, but most really between both sets of fans instead of the teams themselves, because Marseille would just run over. Mm. Jake, what what did you think about Villas's boss comments? Does he have a point, or again, was it just a little bit of an excuse? He he does have a point, but I think he was setting up the safety net for when what eventually happened happened because to go into a game that your fan base regardless of the the golf in the squads that your fan base cares so much about you know it's the biggest match of the year for Marseille fans it's the 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 biggest rivalry in France so for AVB to to emphasize how how you know there's a golfing class and he was also saying that um uh it's not a game that matters to me the the classic belongs in the past and and things like that you know he's 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 setting up Set, setting them, setting, setting himself up to fail, really, and and setting the expectations, setting the expectations low. But then that's that's never gonna, never gonna sit well with fans because ultimately, everybody wants this to be a competitive fixture, and for AVB in the pre-match press conference to be to be highlighting what to most of us is obvious, but you know doesn't necessarily need highlighting. It's just it just seemed a bit a bit a bit negative to me overall. I mean, to be honest, I, I don't want to talk about. PSG so much when we're covering a Marseille-Lille match. But when you think about it, I don't know who I would replace in the PSG team with a player in Ligue 1, like another Ligue 1 club. Maybe goalkeeper, Keylor Navas. I mean, Keylor Navas is a Champions League winning goalkeeper. I can't think of much, much else or, or who else I would really replace. They've got the best striker. They've got the best wingers. They've probably got the best, but they do have the best midfielders. Mm defenders, left-back, right-back, centre-back. I'm just racking my brain now. I can't think of anyone who I would really say, oh, no, they'd get in PSG's team from Ligue 1, you know? Yeah, Do you exactly. know what I mean? Is, is there anyone that strings to your mind? Because for me, not really. I think last season, maybe you could have made a case for, for Furlong Mendy or um, for someone yeah. like Ken, well, Kenny I, Lala, I was, I was thinking that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but on this season, I'm, I'm just not sure, to be honest. I've not seen enough from full-backs elsewhere to warrant... You know, I've seen good things, but not enough probably to warrant getting in over... Over someone like Juan Bernat or um, Thomas Munier or um, or any of the guys that they have there, really. 
So, Marseille, now, I was saying it earlier, they're in a bit of a rut. They've won just one of their last six games with poor results coming against Dijon. They drew 0-0 and also Amiens, who they lost to 3-1. Who do you say is really to to blame for this? Sometimes it's difficult just watching a match because you don't see what happens behind the scenes. But just from your opinions, who do you think is really to blame for this? Is is it the players? You know, Do they have the squad to be doing better? Or is it more the manager who's who's not made them ruthless enough in games against teams like Dijon? What do you think of this, Jake? It's hard to say because I don't necessarily think the players... We've seen enough from the players under AVB's management to make a judgment there. I personally feel that it's a, probably a combination, in more recent games, a combination between AVB directly and the way that he sets up the team. I think he, he was sort of slightly ambitious um, in the way that he set up the team at the start of the Classique. But after 10 minutes of this kind of relentless high press from Marseille with, with very little end product, they were, they, were, they were rigid and they were found out. And, um, you know, that's such a big part of it. He's, he's, he's got these players at his disposal. It doesn't look like any of them are playing particularly um, below the level that we would expect um, individually, uh, other than those that are perhaps getting on a bit with age, someone like Payet more recently, although he did score tonight. And uh, Mondonda has actually been better than he has for them, you know, the, the arguably the 18 months prior to AVB's arrival. So I don't think the players are to, bl- are to blame personally. I think in terms of the last few games, I think AVB tactically still doesn't really have a clear identity at Marseille. And overall, you know, the main blame lies, in my opinion, with the board and with the, you know, the lack of, of signings and the lack of investment in this squad because this is not a deep squad. This is a very narrow squad, you know, that relies on, on uh, in a, to a large extent, on on the individual quality they have on match winners like Payet on his day or on Tovan who's still injured. So, so I think the blame kind of seems to lie at the moment directly with AVB, but also with the with the, with the club's board. And and only time will tell over the next few games as to whether whether the players uh, whether the players have a, a big part to share in that as well. Yeah, if, you, if if you look at that, the squad that just played today, <laughs> it, um, it kind of looks like the the starting eleven they'd have in a normal league match. Um, so it, it is worrying the the lack of depth they do have, um, and you know maybe they were pushing for to try and do a, a cut run um, and get into Europe, but obviously it clearly hasn't worked. Mm. Yeah, no, they 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 did what a lot of teams have been doing recently, though when it's not working, you know, you, you play a four at the back and you've got your good, tough 4-4-2, four, four, come on the boys, and then it doesn't really work <laughs> for a couple of weeks and you're just like, switch to a three at the back, that'll work. A lot of teams have done that. Lille yeah. did that recently and it worked It happens a lot them. in Liga. It does. You yeah. go for the four and it's not like, oh, we'll switch to the midfield or something. It's just like, change the defenders, go to a three at the back, that'll work. Didn't work out for them in this match, um, yeah. but Monaco are playing quite well at the moment, especially with their 3-5-2. Yeah. So, um, Jake, you said earlier about individual strength and, and how some individual individuals in recent weeks have maybe been carrying Marseille in some aspects. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I look at a player like Bubakar Kamara, who's mm-hmm. 19 years old and has arguably been one of the most consistent players at the club since he really broke into the squad at the start of last season, how, how have you gauged him so far? He did have a poor game in the in the classic against PSG, but he's only nineteen. Does does this just show, maybe, or I don't know how you look at this. Is this how weak the squad is right now that a nineteen year old is 
the starting centre-back or is it more oh, the club's doing well to, to push through youth? What do you think of that, Jake? I don't think, I don't think the first one, really. I, I, I think Bubakar Kamara uh, uh, is still young. He's still inconsistent. And when the team's underperforming, you know, he's shown up at points um, like in a couple of games more recently. But, but overall, he's, he's, he's probably the, the, the joint or perhaps second best option they have at, at centre-half. And he has the potential to be, to be a, a top defender. There's, 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 there, let's not make any mistakes about that. And he, although might, might be inconsistent at times, he's, he's, he's definitely still one of the more reliable options that they do have. I, I think it's just symptomatic of, uh, of Camera's age. Um, and the kind of circumstances at the moment, if, if we if we kind of see any more, uh, see much inconsistency from him, because ultimately I think he he still is the the best option Marseille have in uh, in central defence, or certainly one of them. Marseille's opponents for this match will be Lille, who I was talking about earlier. They they kind of switched to a three at the back, and it's, it helped them in their their last match when they thrashed Bordeaux three nil. So it's been the, the first season back with European football in the in the city with Lille. Last season they did so well under Galtier, some would say, because teams around them had that burden of European football, they could just concentrate in the league. Thomas, how do you think they've done this season now, how, now that they've had to cope with the Champions League with more games on their calendar? How have they coped with it so far? I mean, they haven't been the... the um... As much of the exciting, you know, really dangerous outfit that they were um, last season, but that's to be expected. I mean, looking at the table, the th- third in the league, so you can't really argue with um, with it at the moment. Obviously, it's very tight up at, up at the top. Um, but this three at the back has has clearly um, benefited them, and and the the hero of the moment on uh, on the weekend was um, the new signing uh, Yizicic from um, from Trabzonspor. He's moved out to the right-hand side now and um, he's looking... I mean, I think we mentioned it on last week's podcast that he did have a, a good game against uh, Valencia. Um, but he, uh, he had his first, you know, first real um, standout game and he got two two assists and a, a goal from a, a penalty. So hopefully he can... You know, it's, it's a lot of the time when, when new players um, come to clubs and it's all about adjusting to... To the scenery, you know, it's a big change from from coming from Turkey. Uh, it's also with the the manager adjusting to the players. You know, Galtier's going to have to figure out how exactly he incorporates these new guys into the squad, and and maybe with this with three four three, it's work it's worked well for him. I mean, um, he he cuts cuts inside quite well and up, sort of operates in sort of the half spaces, and it leaves it leaves Chelik to just go bombing down that that wing and gives him loads of space mm. to, to play with. And he is, he is, he's a, a good attacking, attacking uh, fullback, now wingback. So you would say had a good game with a, a goal and a couple of assists. He, that was followed the Valencia match where he also played quite well. Do we think that he really needs to step up and kind of take that mantelpiece that, for instance, Pepe occupied last season, you know, cutting in off the wing and scoring a lot of goals and being very dangerous. Do you think he has the qualities to to match Pepe? Or, of course, that's a big ask, but, like, at least fill his shoes in some way, Thomas? I think he's more of a, a creative player than, than Pepe was more of a, 
a direct goal scorer. Mm. Um, but the you know the combination of obviously a, a Simhen um, coming in and and these new signings should um, uh, well they'll look to to replace what Pepe provided, which was you know a creativity and a goal scoring threat. Um, it's obviously early days. He's, he's only really had two um, good good games, <laughs> um, but hopefully you know. He, he continues this this good form and and uh, continues to to adjust that team that team very well. So there was a, a couple rumours over the last few days of Victor Simhen and his fitness issues. He came off after just about an hour against Bordeaux with a, a groin issue, complaining about a groin problem. If he drops out the team, do Lille still have the qualities to continue? threatening up in the top two, three teams of the league? Or is a Simhen so crucial to their season that they would just drop like a stone? A stone? What do you think of that, Jake? I definitely don't think they drop like a stone. When they've got someone like uh, Loic Remy on the bench, who, who although his, his Lille form overall has been inconsistent, a lot of that's been due to, to fitness issues last season. But he looks like he's up and running this season. And he's a guy who knows the league. And he's got, you know, he has got that quality. He's shown it at spells in his career, especially at Marseille. Um, in the Premier League for Newcastle and Chelsea, that he has got the quality to be to be someone that you can rely on, that your team can rely on, and who can who can score goals. And he showed that with the uh, with the um, the third goal at the weekend. So so I wouldn't go as far as to say that they 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 tank or they bomb or anything like that. But because Simen is clearly emblematic of a lot of the things that are very good about Lille this season, but. But when you have someone on your bench like uh, Loic Remy, who who does have the potential, and if he can keep those keep his own fitness issues at bay, then I think he's a he's a he's a very decent stand-in for for our Simen. Hmm. So coming into this match, I want your score predictions, the two of you, Thomas. I'll start with you. What do you think this match between Marseille and Lille will finish? Yeah, it should be a close game. I mean, Marseille are. I haven't been terrible at home, um, and uh, a little of that that break from not playing in the cup um, this week, whereas Marseille have done um, with a fairly full squad, well, fairly full starting eleven. Um, you usually see, so I'm thinking Lil might just squeeze a maybe just a two-one win, Jake. Uh, so I feel like I've been a bit too conservative in in with my predictions in podcasts gone by. So I'm going to really push the boat out, and I mean really, and go for a two-all draw here. With I think I think Lille will dominate large portions of the match, but I think Marseille with the home crowd behind them will uh, will snatch a, a scrappy winner, uh, equaliser. Sorry, equaliser. Yeah, two-all draw. <laughs> uh, I I think I've got. To, I think I'm going to agree with. Thomas and push this match in the way of Lille. I, I just see a little bit more of them recently, and I, I don't think Marseille are, are, are you know fully have enough about them to go and be a team like Lille at the moment. So I'll agree with Thomas. I'm going to say two one to Lille. Although to be honest, if Yuzici turns up, it could be a little bit more to that. Uh, you know, if Yuzici and Akone turn up, it could be probably a few more. Marseille still don't look extremely solid at the back. So the second match we're going to move on to will be Saint-Étienne against Monaco. Claude Puel's start at the club. He's had a few games now. Thomas, firstly, what was expected of him and how has it gone so far? I mean, I expected 
what he's sort of produced so far. I mean, he's really tightened that that defence up. Um, the games have been pretty boring. Um, <laughs> the the draw um, on the week, the two all draw on the weekend. I mean, it wasn't. <laughs> it didn't really seem. I mean, I saw bits of the game. It didn't really look like a, it should be. A, it should have been a true all draw. Um, I think the, the obviously he's improved the, the defense, but there's still a few issues there. I did not think Denny Boang would be a a great win back, but oh, uh, I'm, I'm happy to be proven wrong, and he's um, he's been pretty pretty effective for them on that left hand side. Um, uh, and it's great to see um, obviously Wabi Kasri getting back on the score sheet. He's not been on there for I think it was. 14 games or something that might have been yeah 14, 14 games. 15 games yeah 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 so they do need that a goal scorer I mean Shalabi is, is is good and talented but it might need somebody like uh, Kasri to to pick up that mantle and start you know bagging the goals like he was he was doing last season mm. has it been any better than Printont? Uh much better <laughs> I mean Printont there was <laughs> There's not much confidence, not, not much confidence in watching um, uh, a not I'll say a good game, but a, <laughs> a game they could get points out of. Um, and obviously, Puel's a, a very experienced manager in Liga, and and he knows um, he knows what it takes to to get wins. Uh, um, and hopefully, he he'll carry on um, in that way. And, and you know they've, they've pushed up the table slightly. You know, got one, one or two good points, and it's very, very close. I mean, you look, you look at, uh, I mean, not a second on nineteen points, and Nima eighteenth, eighteenth on, oh, Mets are nineteenth on eleven points. So there's not much. You know, you, you win two matches, and and you're either, you know, <laughs> you, you're fine or you lose two, and then you you're fighting a relegation. You're going down, yeah, yeah, That's ridiculous. <laughs> But as much as some aspects of San Etienne have, pro- have improved, you know, they were 1-1 against a very beatable team in Alexandria in the Europa League, and they were only 2-2 against Amiens. Is it as rosy as, it, as Thomas is putting it out to be, Jake? I'm not, I don't entirely agree. I think they probably deserve to lose that match. Amiens were the better mm-hmm. side yeah. for large, large portions of the game. And Amiens, you know, they're good. They're on a good run, especially away from home at the moment. They've, they've, got, they've got some good results more recently, and, and Luca Elsner is doing a, a fantastic job. But you do, although Puel has kind of tightened things up defensively, the two Amiens goals, I mean, the defending was shocking in those two particular <laughs> moments. The, the communication between, between the defenders, I feel like there's, there's if you look at the, 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 the results on their own, there might be a conception that, that he's sort of done the job that many of us has expected him to come in and do. But but they, it really doesn't tell the full story. And if you watch the two goals back, they, they, there was some shocking communication between the, the Saint-Étienne back line, for, especially for the second goal, um, for, for Akolo just to literally kind of walk the ball in and have, a, have two tries on goal almost. Mm. Um, so, so I'm not sure it's gone. I think there are definitely things that he needs to iron out. I'm not convinced that, that Claude Poel has also jumped on the back three bandwagon and I'm not entirely convinced <laughs> that with the players the players he's using at least with like the youngster Fofana and um, Saliba who by the way has come back and looks excellent but uh, other than the kind of communication issues but I'm not sure he's entirely ironed things out and I would really like to see them go back to using a back four if possible and um once he sorts that out, I guess he can start addressing the attacking issues. But with with Kasri getting a goal and with uh, Buanga looking looking really excellent, 
um, more recently, um, I think, yeah, the main issue is perhaps finding a system that, that best suits the players at his disposal. Because mm. as Thomas yeah. was saying, Buango did a great job, at least in an attacking sense, um, the other day. But I, I would love to see him have a bit more, a bit more freedom under under Claude Puel rather than play as a wing back. Mm. A player that San Etienne have been quite loyal to since Puel joined has been Charles Abbey, who Tom Shu, you mentioned him earlier. Do you think that's the right decision so far? I mean, I know it's always good to to play the youngsters and to bed them into the first team, but he's still to score. And you've got a, a player like Robert Berich on the bench who can get you a goal and who was very good towards the end of last season. Thomas, do you think it's been the right decision to be so loyal to Abby so far? I think it's 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 good. It's obviously given it must have given uh, Abby confidence, and that's that's a really big thing in a, in a young player um, who's trying to reestablish himself in a team. I mean, Robert Berich is is great, but usually he's just great from off the bench. Um, a lot <laughs> of the times when it, when he does start, he's been very ineffective, and it, I think it just came out of a, a need. Um, you know, Kasri was completely out of form, and 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 Berich, mm. um, for some reason, even though he's got a, a quite a good you know goal scoring record, um, they don't really have much faith in him. And I think it was Lois Dione still there, but um, he's completely, I mean, lost all form since since his move to mm. Bristol. I think it was. He's a Bristol legend. I was just about to say that. <laughs> him. But um, no, I think I mean Abby's been. He's still um, 18, 19, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, he's tried to occupy defenders. He's, he's trying to be active um, in, in a defensive sense, trying to trying to hold up play and, and, and press. But maybe it's, it's too much for him at the moment, um, just as a, a starting. But it'll certainly give him confidence. And if he's around that, um, start eleven and around that team, and he does get you know one or two one or two games. Um, if if somebody like Kasri comes back into form, then that's going to do his confidence the world of good. Jake Sanetian currently set twelfth in Ligue 1. What do you think are their realistic goals for this season in the league as well as in the Europa League? They're currently three points behind Ghent and Wolfsburg, who sit first and second. What do you think, Jake? I think. For now, it will still be in the Europa League. At least it will still be to get out of the group, and that will have been the aim for the uh, from the start. Because you would always have said that Wolfsburg were a stronger side, um, a stronger side than them. And I still think there's a chance. Uh, it's going to be very difficult for them now, but but hopefully now with uh, Puel in, they can they can take the the one all draw against Alexandria and 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 build on that. In the league, at the start of the season, you would have said that they would have been aiming for aiming for the, for a top four finish again, or a top certainly a top five if fifth is to be a, a European spot. But otherwise, a top four with with the squad that they had, they I would argue that they improved over the summer on the squad that they had last season under Jean Louis Gasset. But it's clear now that 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 perhaps you know with someone like Kasri being out of form and some of the older players like uh, Loic Perrin. Um, uh, getting slightly older, you know, it might that might be a, slightly too ambitious for them. I would still think that if you're if you're on the board, if you're a fan, you're looking at at the top four or five places, especially with everyone else kind of being so inconsistent this season and viewing that as a realistic goal. So I reckon, uh, you know, they're only four points behind Nantes in second, so they've still got a very good chance of finishing in the top four should Claude Poel use his. His his league art experience to to get them firing on all cylinders. 
Their opponents for this one will be Monaco, who have been quite impressive recently. They've kind of hit a bit of form. They were very impressive away to Nantes last week, getting just their second clean sheet of the campaign, although that might have been down to Nantes being awful going forward, as opposed <laughs> to Monaco being very good going forward, uh, defending rather. Thomas, Ben Yedder, the main man once again. What? I mean, he's he's been um, fairly ridiculous for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, what is it? Nine nine goals in nine eight nine games. I think so. So yeah. far, and him and him and Slobani are, are sort of just carrying the team. Uh, I mean, I don't. I'm not that confident about the defence. Um, I think that that at times, Badi Ashile, even though he's Still very young and and not a finished article has been carrying Camille Glick for for portions <laughs> of, of the games and yeah and uh, I kind of feel sorry for him at times because you know he, he's trying his best but um, I, I don't have much faith in Camille Glick or Jamison really um, there is still I, I'm still pretty concerned about that that defence but you know they've got they've got um, Ben Yedder and, and Slum, I think Slomani might be out for this game. Yeah, I think he had entry um, issues. Yeah. yeah, so you know, I think if he can get, keep Benyeda scoring, um, it's not it's not a a tactic that um, I'd uh, suggest would work across the whole full season. Eventually, them. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't see Benyeda scoring thirty eight goals, um, so it, they need to sort of keep this this nice purple patch going and then try and figure out. In the meantime, while you know um, the strike force is papering over the cracks, trying to figure out how to seal them cracks up. Hmm. I mean, it's it's interesting to look at Glick and Jamerson and how they've done this season because you can look at Glick and you can go right. You know, he's he's been about a bit. He's he's thirty one, which isn't old, but you know, some players age faster than others, so you can go right. He's thirty one, maybe losing his pace a little bit uh, at the back, as if he really ever had any. Um, but then you look at his defensive partner, Jemerson. Jemerson's 27. You're just coming into your prime as a, as a defender at that point. And, the, the, you know, Click and Jemerson were two of the players that were so crucial to the title-winning team of 2016-17, you know. It's just sad to see how much they've fallen off the pace and are now mm. getting outshone by 18-year-old Benoit Badiashele, isn't it? Uh, if we look at Leonardo Jardim, the manager... A couple of weeks ago, there were stories about, you know, Jardim has X number of games to save his job. And now he's got this number of games to save his job. If he doesn't do that, he's going to get fired, all this. But now he's come and he's won so-and-so. He's won five of his last six games as manager. They've been scoring goals, looking impressive going forward. Going back's a little bit shaky, but don't talk about it. <laughs> Does he deserve to have all this criticism washed away because I feel like he's still just one defeat away from getting sacked if you know what I mean a lot of the criticism on him is is always just like oh well, but he lost this game so we have to sack him even though <laughs> in recent weeks of course the start wasn't great in recent weeks they've been very good Jake yeah they have I think they you know they've still um it's still been uh, a little bit close at times you know they've had some some narrow escapes and and nonce nonce definitely had enough clear chances to to get a result against them last time out. But, um, but no, I, I think the reason that the criticism um, and the scepticism has gone away is because they really have 
picked up generally. And I don't think a lot of us saw that happening so dramatically, at least in terms of results. You know, that's four four out of five wins in the league. I'm pretty sure, and they won. Uh, they won against. Uh, they now won against Marseille in the in the Coupe de la Ligue, which you know is a is a is a decent result. So, so I think it is. I think it is fair that the criticism is is starting to dissipate. If they were to have another couple of bad results and all of the old kind of signs that things were going wrong to um, to emerge again, then i I would be, I would, I, I wouldn't be surprised if if there were you know heavy links with him getting the sack again. But for now, he looks to be kind of keeping keeping the hounds at bay, and they they although he he's getting carried somewhat by the front two as we were discussing and by perhaps by results more than, than convincing team performances. That's, that's all he needs for now. And he's a manager who does have so much quality. So if you can get anything like, you know, get his mojo back as it were to, to any kind of level that he was at before, then, then, you know, Monaco can, can completely turn it around. But, but that I must admit is, is probably a tall order. Okay, I want your score predictions for this one as Monaco travel to play Saint-Étienne. Thomas, I'll start with you. What, what do you think this one's going to finish? Bear in mind how well the, you could say both teams have done really in the grand scheme of things compared to their awful starts. What, what do you think, Thomas? Yeah, I mean, both teams seem to be um, back on the up. Um, but there are still there's still underlying concerns to both of them um, it's a tricky one it could be just I mean Slamani's not playing so that's I mean half Monaco's uh, <laughs> you know threat gone um, I'm probably going to go for I'd say I'd say a two-all draw make it exciting that's tricky isn't it um, Jake what do you think I'm going to go for a one-all draw I think it'll be a close one uh, I've, I've been swaying over this one. I have been swaying over this one. <laughs> and I think... I think I'm going to... You know, I, w- I was looking at the goals that San Etienne conceded over the last few matches, you know, against um, against Amiens. One of them was a, was a known goal, but it was a it was a forced own goal. Amiens made it happen. Um, or other way about, actually, if I'm mixing it up. Anyway, the goals that they conceded, they don't look that great um, at the back. I know that Slamani won't be playing in this match, but I still have a bit more confidence in Monaco turning up and winning this one, as opposed to San Etienne. So I'm going to back Monaco to win 2-1. Monaco are still really bad at the back, so I don't think they'll keep a clean sheet. But yeah, I'm going to go Monaco 2-1. Although at the same time, I was extremely adamant last week that Mets were going to swamp Leon and Leon just won 2 0 really really <laughs> easily. And I was all telling you about how you're all so wrong and everything. Yeah, I feel I feel really bad about that now. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> moving on. Uh Neem play Ren uh, this weekend. Ren picked up their first win in league since August last week as they beat Toulouse 3-2. Thomas, this was a much needed win for Julian Stefan, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> look on the the faces of players and Stefan himself after that 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 goal went in from uh, Bo uh, at the end. I mean, it, there's no doubt that them players are still playing for for the manager, and there's no, you know, there's no there's no issues there. Um, it was a, a game that I thought, oh, here we go, Ren is going to do a another Ren and, and give up uh, give up a lead and lose lose two points, but. Hmm. 
know, fair play to him. It was, um, it was, uh, it was a, I mean, they, they sort of, it was, I think it was two goals in the first six or seven minutes and Toulouse just <laughs> weren't anywhere in, in the match. Um, but over the, the course of the game, I mean, Toulouse didn't produce that much, but it was just that feeling that Ren couldn't, um, couldn't get that. If they had that third goal, mm. it would be all over. But, um, you know, <laughs> Grinnell comes up with a, a really great free kick and, um, and uh, luckily, luckily, um, one of their their great another youth player um, mm-hmm. from the from the club comes up and, and gives them you know that, that then three points in added time. Mm. Yeah, it's it's been quite the week for Ren teenagers recently. You know, Eduardo Camavinga. Well, it's been a great season for him. You know, making so mm. many appearances, starting so many games this season. Still age just sixteen. Um, I, I realised recently that he was training with the first team since age since age fifteen, which I just find wow. absolutely crazy, crazy, an incredible talent. But also you had players like Pepe Bonet and Goal who played against Cluj. And you've also had Jan Boho who scored in this match, scored the winner. There's a new generation of talent that's starting to just creep up at Rizon Park, isn't there? I was looking back at some of the players that have left Rennes in recent years, like Joris Nyangon, um, who came from the academy, Ismail Assar. Didn't come from the academy, but was still a, a youth player that was played many times and turned into his own fantastic winger. Also Usman Dembele, Tim Yubakayoko. Mm. You know, Ren have got a good history of developing young players, don't they? Yeah, they, they do. They've got an amazing, amazing academy, really. A, a lot gets said internationally about, about Lyon uh, and quite rightly so, but but the Ren Academy, I would argue, is just as good or, or perhaps ever so slightly the level below, but certainly those two are the two best club academies in in all of France and and they've produced some amazing talent over the years that they've just not been able to hold on to because of um mostly because of of you know the club has the money the ownership they're 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 owned by one of the wealth or backed by one of the wealthiest owners in French football um but they you know there just doesn't seem to be there seems to be kind of a ceiling in the sense that when these players get to a certain value they're they're sold off by the club but now that they're they're well now that there seems to be an element of stability, a project under under Stefan, the team's had a couple of consecutive years in Europe, and you know, although it's been difficult for Stefan recently, the they're still because of the, how crazy the league is this year, they're still in touch with the European places. It's still so early, you know. If they can, if they can, can reach some sort of level of consistency where they they're qualifying for Europe on a regular basis, which I believe they can do with the squad, then then who's to say they can't hold on to these players? Uh, for a little bit longer, the likes of Boho and uh, Kamavinga, um, because it would be amazing to see these guys, these guys stay in the league for a bit longer and and start to develop. You know, some some of them obviously are going to end up being top top talents and and inevitably moving on. But it would be it would be really terrific for the league and for Ren as well to have them have them stick around for a bit longer. Thomas, how do you see Kamavinga's career going, just generally? I know that's a difficult question to answer, but just generally, what do you think is going to come of the midfielder? I mean, he's he's been in the team for quite a while now. You know, people maybe not overreacted, but thought the world of him when he came into the team towards the end of last season, and he's continued that in this campaign. How far can Kamavinga go? I mean... 
it's, it's, he's only 16, so it's... It's absurd to think. It's yeah. ridiculous. You don't, you, you don't really want to, you know, um, sort of jinx it, but, um, I mean, the, the talent he's showed is, I don't think we've seen since um, Mbappe turned up in France. I can't think of a, a player since then that's, I mean, really took everybody back and, and thought, how young is this guy? How is he playing like this? Um, he's just been... I mean, he, obviously there is rashness to his, his game. You know, he, he does um, commit uh, quite a few fouls and and obviously that, that red card was um, was uh, sort of a, a low point and a highlight of that. Um, but he's so composed in the ball. Um, it's, it's amazing. And, and in the future, you know, you just see him getting better and better and better. And, you know, one one day he'll be uh, playing for Angola in the African Cup of Nations, of course. He's not going to play for France, of course. <laughs> He's going to pick Angola. <laughs> uh, and and uh, it'll be great for him with that, um, in the matter field with uh, Manu Show. That lovely player. Yeah. I was going to say, who's, who will be his midfield player? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I'd love him to just not just let France um, and just go on goal. But yeah, he'll be a. Rack, rack up 200 player. caps for Angola. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, he's he's got um, a huge, huge potential, and hopefully, he stays at Ren for uh, a good few years to come, just to nurture that that talent. So, Jake, you mentioned that uh, Ren have a an incredible um, youth setup at the moment. Maybe up there with Lyon, who are probably the most the, the better known in France. But Nîmes are also doing a quite good job with young players at the moment as well. I've, I've got some stats for you. Um, Go on. Nîmes have the fourth lowest average age of players that have been on the pitch of, of minutes played. They have the fourth lowest fourth lowest average age. I believe Nice are first, just in case you're wondering, and Rennes are seventh. Uh, I thought I'd look that up. In Nîmes' last match in the league against Rams, they really showed some of that that strength in youth as they had six players starting age 23 or under, three of them coming from the academy and five more on the bench. And 42.6% of minutes played this season by players for Nîmes have been trained at the club for at least three years between the ages of 15 and 21, i.e. academy players, players that have have kind of developed and become their own players at Nîmes. In the Cup against Lon, they had seven players in the starting lineup, 21 or younger. It's really impressive, but it's not really delivering that much in the league right now, is it? They, They currently sit 18th. But they find it, they found it quite difficult to get past teams. You know they've only lost two of their last nine, but they have drawn the most games in league. And um, I think that's uh, tied with with Brest at the moment. They find it quite difficult to get past teams. But Thomas, do you think they have the squad and the manager and the makeup to get out of this this rough patch? I mean, they've not been losing every match. Drawing matches does show a bit of the quality they have, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, last season you would have you would have seen somebody like um, Savanier to be that player to to really drive them on and, and and get past teams with with providing goals and and um, for the for the other players. But it's it's kind of a shame because you look at where they are on the table and I can think of you know a, a quite a few teams that have, have played much worse football this season, but seem to be above them. Um, some of the games they've been unlucky. I, can, I mean, the the um, 
a San Etienne game they had a couple of weeks ago. They oh, were they all up to San Etienne. Yeah. Absolutely destroyed them. But I think it was uh it wasn't Ruffy, it was uh Jesse Jesse Moulon in, in there. Yeah, who, yeah, yeah. who, who had a great game and, and just and just kept them kept them at bay. Um it was very very unlucky in that and then I remember they, they they were quite um fortunate not to uh, I think they probably should have beat Lil um, a couple of weeks back because Lil were kind of shaky and, and uh, Phil Pateau had a great game uh, I remember in that one so it, I think the, the the difficulty with the league at the moment is because it's so random and it's so competitive and, and, and tight that I mean one win that takes them you know up to relatively mid-table um, which is where I, I think they should be at the moment I, they don't really the performances don't really deserve them to be in the 18th spot. So I wouldn't I wouldn't look at that too on too much of a downer. Um, the uh, the defense hasn't been as bad as I, I would have thought it might have become um, this season. Um, but you know it's I, I'm not too concerned. Um, I think Blackard is just trying to figure out what his what his best squad is. He's, he's obviously lost quite a few players and they brought. Um, they've brought some in, so he's just trying to figure out what what works best um, for the players. The players he has, mm, absolutely. So Neem will be the hosts for this match as Ren travel to play Bernard Blackheart's team. What do you think this match will finish, Jake? I'll start with you this time. What do you think that the score will be for this one? So having backed uh, Julian Stefan at the start of the show. Um, and after you know the dramatic circumstances of that last win, I'm thinking that Ren are going to carry some momentum into this one and walk away with a two-one win. Thomas, uh, I'm not too sure. I mean, I, I do really like Neem and and um, I really like the um, Stade de Costière. I really like just the, the sort of atmosphere that, that it has, and mm. it's quite a, a kind of a self-contained and. and um, Cool little little stadium, so I'm gonna go with probably another draw. I'll say one all. Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna agree. I think it's gonna be one one as well. As much as I, I want Ren to kick on and do well because I like their players, and I like Julian Stefan, and I like Kamavinga and, and all the all the things that they're doing right now. And I think Rajon Park has got a really good um, atmosphere as well. As much as it's not going to be the stadium for this game, I can't see them winning this I think Neem have like you said Thomas they've been playing too good football to for this to continue they have been creating chances just not really finishing them off so I think this one's going to finish 1-1 as well um, you know Ren will have a bit of momentum going into this game so Neem will find that quite difficult but yeah Neem have impressed me at, at points recently so I think they'll they'll get a, a solid 1-1 draw I think that's what both teams would really deserve and the last game we're going to cover in this episode is Bordeaux versus Nantes, the local derby, derby l'Atlantique, you know, of the West Coast, mm. whatever you want to call it. Nantes have been very impressive, you have to say, this season, as much as they might not have been exciting under, you know, Christian Gurkouf. He's, he's come in and he's impressed the doubters, hasn't he, Jake? Yeah, he really has. And this was an appointment that shocked a lot of people. People thought that uh, Christian Gorkov's time at the, uh, in the top, top table of, uh, of French football was over um, after his sort of botched last stint at, at Rennes and being viewed as a bit of a dinosaur of the game. I think he's, what, 64 years old now, 65 mm. or something, something like that. 
Um, but but you know, and the the, the, the nature of, of his arrival as well, arriving after a, cl- a coach in Haliodzic, uh, who was uh, much beloved by by a lot of the fans and and um, by by a lot of the players players. Although it's come out more recently that his uh, his methods might have been a bit uh, a bit intense, a bit tiring for the players. But anyway, it's not the ideal circumstances to arrive, and especially not three days before your first match in charge with no pre-season. But he's, with all of that considered, he's done an absolutely incredible job. You know, Nantes did well in the transfer market over over the summer, um, and it's really uh, it's really showing. You know, I think they've made a few shrewd acquisitions. They lost a couple of big players, especially in Rangier, um, but they've looked so so solid defensively. You know, I think. The biggest area they need to need to work on their game is is taking the chances that they create, as well as creating more chances. Which you know, an eight 0 win over Paris FC in the cup is an is 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 an indication that maybe you know there's they they can do it if they put their minds <laughs> to it. But um, but they they yeah, he's done a he's done an incredible job, and for them to be second this far into the season, having lost a couple games more recently. Is is well partly testament to how crazy the league is this year, but also testament to how good a job Christian Gorkov is doing and um, looks set to continue doing at this rate. So Nantes have the third least goals scored this season, and they've also got the the least chances created this season, despite sitting second right now. I think something has to be said for the work rate of. Khalifa Koulibaly up front, big, tall, hulking striker who's really had to feed off a lot of scraps so far, hasn't he, Thomas? But he's scored three times, something, you know, he's created things for Nantes in a team that's so focused on defence and he's he's done very well this season. I mean, he's had to adapt from an attacking manager like Kali Hodzic to a defensive manager like Gurkouf, but he's he's really swam rather than sank, hasn't he, Thomas? Yeah, I mean, last season he came in um, and, and did all right. You know, he scored, I think it was eight or nine goals. Um, and he does, you know, he's a, he's, he's a, he's a large, large man. He, yeah. he's, a, he's a tall lad. Um, but he, he does, you know, he does, he does work well and he, he, uh, he's always there on, you know, defending from corners and um, he, he's, he's not the, most technically gifted, but um, he does use his, his um, physical presence well, and uh, he's he's not too bad a finisher. Um, but you know, you'll I could see him scoring maybe maybe get into double figures a season, and that that should be you know um, quite enough for for Goku for non. Yeah, it should should be. Uh, I mean, this game we'll, we'll move on to Bordeaux um, soon, but I'm not going to watch it. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Bordeaux will be the host for this match and they'll be stiff opponents for Nantes, won't they, under Paolo Sousa? You know, it seems as if they've, they're have they finally starting to gel under the Portuguese manager, Jake. But maybe some, some English fans will be a bit more interested to see how Lauren Koscielny has adapted to life back in France. Jake, what have you made of him since returning from Arsenal? Well, he had a shaky start, and he's and he's been doing a lot better since since uh, since Bordeaux's kind of better run of, of recent results, especially away from home. Koscielny's um, um, been integral to, to to everything that's been good about that defence. You know, he is the leader of that of that back line, um, 
and and I've been I have been impressed with him overall. Less so in the last game against Lille, where he uh, gave away a penalty um, rather clumsily. I thought for for all of his experience, but 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 no, overall, you know, he is the marshal of that defence. They brought him in to add experience um, alongside Pablo and uh, Mexia. And he, you know, he he's doing just that. He's marshalling that defence. He's he's helping them uh, keep teams out, and and he's doing a good job. And he he's he's a big part of the reason that Bordeaux have gained some consistency over over the last couple of months. And talking a little bit more about individuals at Bordeaux, you know, Koscielny is definitely a player that's at the end of his career coming coming in now. You know, he's, he's probably much of the reason why he came back to France. But Bordeaux have a number of players, you know, aged in that 23 and under bracket who are playing well at the moment. Some more than others in this list, by the way. Uh, you know, some players that have stuck it for me uh, who have potential and have even been doing it now, to be honest, have been Aurelien Chimani, uh, Yassine Adli, Francois Camano, sometimes, Samuel Kalou, sometimes, and even Josh Maja, who scored in the cup against Dijon, you know, the, the striker who came from England, came from Sunderland, adapted to Ligue 1 football, and has even scored a few goals as much as he's not been an integral part of the team. Out of those four gentlemen, Chimani, Adli, Camano, Kalu, Maja, and any other players maybe you can think of that are kind of in that younger bracket. Who excites you the most? Thomas, what do you think? What, what one of the younger Bordeaux players are catching your eye at the moment? I Ben Asser. He was one of the, one of the only okay players under Henri last season. And um, you know, he, he's he's been around France for a while. He I remember playing at, at Nancy and and uh, Caen, where he was a pretty standout player and Fairly dreadful teams, and uh, it wasn't working out for him at Monaco, so he's moved on to Bordeaux. I mean, he, <laughs> he had a pretty terrible game against um, against Lille, but the talent is all there. You know, he, he's a really, really clean and and and, and nice passer of the ball. You know, he he has a really, really good technique. Um, so hopefully, you know, some a, a team that's that's hopefully better for him to to fit into and and um, enough starts for him to to settle um, would do in the world of good. And then Bordeaux have, a, I mean, a, a really impressive midfielder um, on the hands. Jake, who has been impressing you at Bordeaux recently and some of the younger players? Um, well, I'm a big fan of uh, Sami Kalou. It's good to see him be getting a uh, a good run. Uh, in the side again more recently, albeit in this kind of weird hybrid wide midfield um, wing-back position that, that Paolo Sosa likes, um, which actually kind of suits him, at least in an attacking sense. You know, it makes him makes him a more interesting kind of auxiliary winger, if you like, on top of the uh, the other wide options that he goes for. But he's one who I think he's got a lot of potential and he had his problems. Well, he had some horrible personal problems, like when, with his uh, his mum getting kidnapped uh, last season and some um, some injury issues as well, but but if he can get a decent run in the side, he's someone who I'm really excited to see how he develops. Along with obviously uh, Josh Madger because of you know having seen him seen him play in this country as well um, for Sunderland and and obviously do very well there and be linked with some big clubs. And um, but perhaps the most exciting potential wise for me is probably Yassin Adli just because of he's the one who I feel has the highest the highest ceiling. You know it was all the, it was a bit of a surprise when he went from from PSG to, to Bordeaux. So I'm really excited to see if he can 
if he can uh, kick on with his development and become a, uh, a top-class French midfielder. Mm, I have to say Yassine Adli. Uh, he's, he's just such a satisfying footballer to watch. Tall, <laughs> yeah. what, what is he, 19 years old, gorgeous, yeah. long hair, strokes it about oh. so easily. He glides. Oh, he glides through games. Um, <laughs> he, he was playing more on the wing recently, I, th- I think a couple of games ago, and he still did well there. Scored yeah. a couple of goals a few weeks ago. I, I'm really glad that he's now like a, a first-team player in Ligue 1 for a club because, you know, he was at PSG. He was the 2017 Youth Player of the, or Youth Academy Player of the Year in Paris, but just wasn't getting those opportunities. So he's like, nope, I'll go. I'll make a career for myself. And I'm, I'm so glad that he's now a bit more of an integral part uh, of the team at Bordeaux. But let's see if he'll have a, a, an effect in this match. So Bordeaux playing non to the local derby. Could be a bit of a fiery match. This one will be at Bordeaux. Thomas, what do you think this one will finish? Uh, I've just thought I'd mention it. it was, it's quite a, a nice little um, subplot that that um, uh, Moses uh, Moses Simon will be playing his um, sort of <laughs> his uh, kind of a brother in, in Kalu. Um, they're both mm. both uh, young Nigerian prospects that came through. I mean, they basically had the same sort of career trajectory. Both came from. Um, uh, Twensin, a uh, like a Slovakian team that bring through quite good uh, Nigerian talent, um, and they both went to Ghent in uh, in Belgium at the same time, um, and now they're both in France. So that'll be quite a, a cool little subplot to see how they uh, how they get on against each other. Um, this yeah, one... we, we 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 talked about uh, Twensin a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Um, the only yeah, reason yeah. that I've really um, come on to them now is that I signed a player for them in Football Manager who's just <laughs> young and has just been awesome so yeah I love Trenson honestly what a club <laughs> go get their players everyone <laughs> honestly got to have them talent pool so Thomas um, yeah um, I think I mean I, I was looking back and just this year alone uh, in any game that not have played in the league it's only been a, a more than two goals in it on three occasions so you either win by one goal or you either lose by one goal against not so i'm gonna go with a, a two, i'm thinking maybe a draw actually uh well, got to remember, uh, remember not aren't good going forward you know bordeaux, bordeaux have, aren't, have a bit aren't of good going forward nil 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 yeah definitely nil 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 how boring oh, is that terrible terrible oh. attacks jake Lighten, lighten me up. Give me. I give will. Me I will balls. lighten you up. To, I will. I will enjoy. lighten the mood significantly with an inc- <laughs> incredibly exciting one all. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I could definitely see this one just petering out into a draw. To be honest, Nantes do look solid. They they were unlucky against Monaco. You know, Nicolas Palois. He just looks like a new player, doesn't he? Yeah. At, at centre back for Nantes this season. The yellow wolf. Oh, he's good. He is good. Is he still got his beard and no hair on top? Is he still rocking that look? Oh, he's still uh, rocking the, the, the Palois look, yeah. Yeah, oh, I love yeah. it. <laughs> I am going to go... I think it will be a draw. I'm just trying to think if there'll be a goal in it or not. I'll, I'll go 1-1 because as much as Bordeaux maybe aren't that great going forward, they do, they do have very good individuals going forward. So maybe a, a spark of brilliance could could make something happen. And Khalifa Koulibaly for Nantes is quite the unit to deal with <laughs> but uh yeah I'll, I'll i'll leave it at that that wraps up the episode if you want more information on all things french football you can 
go to the Twitter, which is at GFFN, always tweeting there good information in English about French football, or you can go to the website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com. Lots of good articles all the time getting put up there and news as well. Some even written by the two gentlemen who have joined me for this episode as well. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, hopefully it's a great week of French football. Enjoy your weekend and we'll see you next week on the next episode of the GFFN Preview Show.